This is the Activate Podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom. In this week's podcast... To know that God loves me and knows that I'm going to fail all the way through makes me ashamed. I wish I could be stronger for Him. But after I process through that, boy, it makes me really, really feel loved. Uh, Because a lot of people desire one of two things. They either want to be really known or they want to be really loved, but they don't think that both can happen. Um, They think if people really know me, they wouldn't love me. Um, And they think if people really love me, I can't let them get to know the real me. Jesus fully knows you and he fully loves you. Thanks for listening to the Activate Podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom, a ministry resource of Journey Church International. My name is Brandon, and I'm really excited to have a conversation with Pastor Christian about his special Easter 2019 message. Um, at Journey, we really love celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, the single greatest event in all of human history. Uh, Pastor Christian, before we begin talking about your, your message coming up, let's talk about leadership for a moment. Leadership development is really important for us. Us at Journey, and and here's a recent question from one of our developing leaders. They asked this: How do you deal with discouragement in leadership and in ministry? Well, I deal with it often. I, I will say that ministry uh, ministry is discouraging because because ministry is pouring out. Um, if if ministry is encouragement. Right. Where, where does that courage come from? For you to give courage to someone else, you usually have to pour it out of yourself. So anytime, anytime you're giving life to someone, you're taking, you're draining life from yourself. So ministry done well is discouraging. Ministry done well is draining. You know, our, our kind of leadership verse for the year is Hebrews twelve ten to, you know, get a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. And Hebrews 12 talks about just running the race well. And what we learn is that when we run the race of faith well, and when we minister well, keeping our eyes on Jesus, it absolutely wears us out. So discouragement in ministry sometimes can be a sign of ministry done well. Uh, Being drained in ministry sometimes can be a sign of doing ministry well. Not always, um, but it's certainly ministry done well is draining, and ministry done well can be discouraging. You know, this week uh, for me is the most, Christmas and Easter are the most discouraging weeks of the year for me. And I think it's one, because of how much I pour out, and two, the spiritual warfare. When you get to Easter and Christmas, when you get to the highly evangelistic messages uh, of our of our ministry year, uh, man, the devil just just fights you every step of the way. Uh, and you know, we we at our church, we try to acknowledge when people make spiritual decisions. We try to celebrate when people make spiritual decisions. But Brandon, you you would never, as a farmer, go into the field um, and and plant the field with seed, and then and then stand up and say, "Look at all the look at all the seed we we planted." and and with your eyes be able to see that it's all going to take. And, and the same thing is true spiritually. When you throw seed and people make decisions, I mean, I, I won't get done um, praying over people who have raised their hands before the devil's in my head saying, none of them meant it. None of them are real. These people are not saved. Uh, these people will not last. I know anytime the gospel goes out that some of it lands on the path and the devil steals it before it gets in their heart. But the devil, in, in try, in, instead of focusing on the joy 
that comes from one sinner that repents, the joy that heaven has when one sinner repents. Um, I, I seem to just get attacked spiritually and the discouragement over will they make it and how far will they make it and are they the path or are they the rocky soil or are they the thorny soil or are they the good soil um, jumps on my back. So Easter and Christmas are the most difficult weeks of my ministry year and, and I, have to, I have to fight through. How do I fight through that discouragement? You got to fill back up. Brandon, when you when you pour life, you have to find out a way to get life poured back into you. First Corinthians chapter four, Paul said, outwardly, I'm wasting away, but inwardly, I'm being renewed day by day. So you have to pour into your inner man day by day. I do that through daily Bible reading. I do that through daily journaling. I do that through daily prayer. Uh, I do that through a daily devotional book. I do that through books. I do that through podcasts. I do that through listening to other people's sermons. So much of the life that I give um, comes from my heart and head in scripture. So I have found out I have to fill up with what I pour out. Um, so because I pour out sermons, I've got to fill up with sermons. Because I pour out leadership, I've got to fill up with leadership, or I have nothing left to pour out. Um, so if you're pouring out relationally, you got to go fill up relationally. Um, if you're pouring out mentally, you got to have some mental downtime. Um, if you're pouring out spiritual truth, you better be studying spiritual truth. So you fight discouragement b- by first accepting it, acknowledging it, And as soon as you give away your life, you go and you fill up again, fill up with what you pour out and keep moving forward because you know that your work in the Lord is not in vain. That's our memory verse um, as leaders this this uh, this month from First Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Keep working, be steadfast. Your work in the Lord is not in vain, but it is draining. Well, Pastor Christian, that's really practical lesson, uh, practical lesson on leadership. So thank you for sharing. Let's let's talk about your Easter message for this weekend. Um, we take a unique perspective at um, what I've said the most important uh, event in history, the resurrection of of Jesus, and we look at it through the lens of a man named Peter. And actually, the message title um, is called And Peter. Would you share with us a little bit more about the person of Peter for just a moment? Yeah, I will. And it's funny that that you've said now twice that Easter is the most, I mean, it's the most significant event in the history of the world. And and it is. Um, If Easter happened, I mean, if it really happened, like if Jesus really died and rose from the grave, changes everything. If he didn't, the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians uh, 15, like, like Christians should be pitied. People should feel sorry for Christians if Jesus didn't really raise from the dead because there's no hope for us. I had lunch with a guy today uh, who asked when we would get a cross uh, in our church. And we will in our in our next church. I hope to have in our next building. I hope to have one outside. I hope to have one inside. But I told him if I you know, I, I would much rather put an empty tomb on the top of our building than a cross. Hundreds of thousands of people were crucified in the Roman Empire. One rose from the dead. The cross is not the hope of Easter. Now, we're presenting it this week as the thing that allows your life to be reset because of what Jesus did on the cross. But but it's Resurrection Sunday that made that cross different. Of yes. all the crosses that people were crucified on, that cross was made different by the empty tomb. So I'd like to see a bunch of churches with empty tombs on top of their steeple rather than crosses, because that is the hope of Christianity, that one day after this life, we will live again. Um, really, the message the message wasn't about Peter as much as it was about Jesus 
including people like Peter in the Easter message, because he told he told the angel told the women uh, in Mark sixteen seven go tell the disciples and Peter. So we honed in on two words this week and Peter. Peter was one of the disciples. So the message, go tell the disciples, would have included Peter. But there was this emphasis, go tell the disciples and Peter. So we looked at, you know, who are people like Peter? This message wasn't a case study in Peter. It was a case study in in resurrected Jesus and how he loves and pursues people. And we said that Peter represented every Christian that had fallen spiritually. Peter represented every Every person that believed they were disqualified spiritually. And those two words could, could stand for go tell, on Easter, go tell the Christians and your husband who's not a Christian. Go tell all the Christians and your teenager who's away from God. Go tell all the Christians and your parents who don't believe. Go tell all the Christians and your neighbor who's an addict. That and Peter stands for go. Easter is for Christians and everyone struggling spiritually and everyone who's not who's dead spiritually. Easter's for all of them. So this week we took a, a look at who Peter was between the cross and the resurrection, and he was a Christian who had failed to live up to his commitment spiritually. He was a follower of Jesus who thought, a lot of people follow Jesus, I don't think I can, I'm disqualified. Um, so that's that's who we looked at as people who Easter was made for, um, and, and that was the content and kind of the hope of this week's message. Well, you talked uh, just previously about two groups of people that this message spoke to. I'd like to unpack that a little bit more, if you don't mind. The first group are those who have fallen spiritually. In your message, you will highlight the fact that God knew and predicted that Peter would fail or fall spiritually. How does it make you feel when you realize that God knows that at some point in your life you will mess up spiritually? Because of the way that I'm shaped, first, it, it makes me feel ashamed, hmm. um, you know, to, to hear God say, I love you, but you're going to get it wrong makes me kind of drop my head and and, and think, you know, sorry, um, because I, I I like to live up to expectations. I like to to make my superiors happy. Um, I like to make my parents proud. Um, so so to know first, I mean, just my gut reaction to know that God loves me and knows that I'm going to fail all the way through makes me ashamed. I wish I could be stronger for him. But after I process through that, boy, it makes me really, really feel loved Uh, because a lot of people desire one of two things. They either want to be really known or they want to be really loved, but they don't think that both can happen. Um, They think if people really know me, they wouldn't love me. Um, And they think if people really love me, I can't let them get to know the real me. Jesus fully knows you and he fully loves you. He told Peter, actually, we didn't even cover this in the message, but he told Peter well before the resurrection, hey, Simon, um, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. Like Satan wants to tear your life apart, but I'm going to pray for you. Uh, and then as he got closer uh, at the Passover meal, what we celebrate is the Lord's Supper. He, he told him, you, you're going to betray me three times before the sun comes up. Um, however, he never said, and then you're done. Um, he, 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 as a matter of fact, told the angels to tell the ladies, tell the disciples and Peter, the one who denied me three times um, about 48 hours ago. 
I'm headed to Galilee. Let's meet up. Let's talk. And then they took a long walk uh, along the Sea of Galilee in John 21 that we covered briefly of Jesus reinstating Peter, of of Jesus basically saying, um, look, you've been exposed. Uh, Peter's statement at the Last Supper was, my love is enough for our relationship. And he got exposed because his love and his commitment was not enough for their relationship. But Jesus' love was enough for their commitment. And by the time they got done walking on the beach, Jesus said, listen, I'm aware of all your failures. And I'm not even going to hold that against you because you can bring that to the cross. Um, However, I I still want you to follow me, but you have to understand your following me is going to be based um, on my love, not yours. It's going to be based on my forgiveness, not your failure. Um, The things that disqualify you don't matter as much as the things that I did that can qualify you spiritually. So put your faith in me and let's go. Um, But don't act like you have this all on your own. Come humbly, uh, Scripture says, to the throne of grace, but come to the throne of grace. Just realize it's only Jesus uh, that gets you there. Not your love, not your effort, not your commitment, not how well you do it. Um, but even knowing all that, Jesus says, still come and follow me and, and we'll just, we'll keep refining you um, like silver and gold in the fire. We'll keep getting rid of the bad and making you more and more valuable, more and more like Jesus uh, until one day in eternity, uh, the sin nature goes and the spiritual nature of Jesus comes into your life and we are made just like him then one day when we are with him. Hmm. Those are so comforting. Uh, that's so comforting to know um, for those people who feel like they've fallen spiritually. Let's talk about the second group of people um, that the story of res- of the resurrection and Peter speaks to. And those are individuals who feel disqualified spiritually. Perhaps someone right now has a friend or a family member who's listening right now who feels disqualified spiritually. Practically, how can they begin to help them get back on the right path? Well, the very first thing you can do is pray for them. Right. I mean, but before you talk to people about God, talk to God about people. I, I mean, that's like one of my favorite yes. spiritual truths. Before you talk to people about God, talk to God about people. You say, I've got someone in my life I'm really burdened about. How burdened? Burdened enough to pray for 40 days? Burdened enough to pray on your knees for 40 days? Burdened enough to spend any time fasting for them? Or just burdened enough to bring them up at a prayer meeting? See, a lot of people get emotional and burdened and heavy-hearted at a prayer meeting. And then the other seven days of the week, they don't even think of the person they're so burdened about at the moment. So if you're burdened for somebody who who is disqualified spiritually, start talking to God about them. And after you've prayed for someone for 40 days, take a deep breath um, and go have a conversation. Go, t- go tell them how at one point in life you were disqualified spiritually, but because of the cross of Jesus and the empty tomb of Resurrection Sunday, um, your life has not been made perfect, but it's been made whole through Jesus. Um, begin to share your story, right? This this message comes at the end of a series called This Is My Story. So pray for them. At some point, share your story and don't stop inviting them. Um, and don't just invite them to church. Invite them to lunch. Invite them to dinner. Um, invite them to coffee. I listened to a podcast this morning running on the treadmill that talked about the, kind of the, the millennial generation and those underneath them um, who are who are drifting from church, but not from faith. Um, and I was listening to an expert who's just written a, written a book to parents of teenagers and younger people. You know, what, what are the two things that bring people between the ages of 18 and 29, the two things that bring people between the ages of 18 and 29 back to their faith? Number one is suffering. 
We'll talk about that in a series this fall. Suffering helps people return to their faith roots. Number two is relationship. And often it's an adult at their work who believes the exact same thing that their mom and dad believes, who kind of takes them under their wing and shows them this Christianity. So if you're an adult listening to this podcast and you work with someone between the ages of 18 and 29, their mom and dads may be praying for them to get a hold of their faith life. And the the one thing that's going to help them get reengaged as an adult who's a Christian being a good example to them. Start taking very seriously every relationship you have with kids between the ages of 18 and 29. If you're an adult who's 30 and older, because your relationship could could keep them from having to go through suffering in order to bring them back. Um, and, and that's that's how you begin to reach and love people who are disqualified spiritually. Talk to God about them before you talk to them about God. Um, share your story and just live in relationship. Share a meal, share life, go on a trip. Um, just share your life and let things begin to happen naturally. Well, five hours after Peter said he was all in, he denied even knowing Jesus. As a result of this, John twenty-one three states that Simon Peter went back to fishing. When we feel disqualified, spiritually, Pastor Christian, what does it look like for us today to go back to fishing? Usually it looks like disengaging from spiritual community. I, I mean, outwardly, that's that's what it looks like. It looks like pulling back from your men's group, pulling back from your women's group, pulling back from serving, pulling back from maybe attending church as much. Um, most of the time to go fishing really doesn't mean to live this life of sin, but it means to personally shun yourself from spiritual community, right? Most churches today don't practice shunning. You're in sin, go away. But Christians practice personal shunning. Um, because I'm ashamed, because I feel like I failed, because I feel like I'm disqualified, I'm just, I'm just going to back out because I don't even deserve to be engaged. And really what you need to, to re-engage, one, you need repentance. Pray and ask Jesus to forgive you. You might need accountability, but your restoration is going to come through community, through serving, through your men's group, through your women's group, through your small group, through consistently being at church um, on Sunday. So a lot of times going fishing just looks like withdrawing from spiritual community, not to pursue sin, but just just because you feel like my sin broke fellowship with Jesus, which with which means maybe I'm supposed to break fellowship with everything else that I was doing spiritually. So I would say stay engaged, stay engaged, start with repentance, make sure your heart is engaged, but then stay engaged with your life. Um, don't get in your boat and run away from your friends and, and uh, you know, and, and go back to your old life and old habits and old addictions um, because Jesus has created you for more than that. And if you're truly one of his children, he'll continue to pull you back. And it'll, it'll be easier if you stay close on your own than if he has to chase you down. I really appreciate the fact that you brought up, Pastor Christian, that some signs of people disengaging or, or going fishing, so to speak, um, is that they withdraw from relationships. Mm -hmm. And as leaders and individuals who see that in other people, we should do what Jesus did. Hey, listen, I'm going to Galilee. I want to meet you there. No doubt. And, and that's why we, we try to place such an emphasis on shepherding at our church. Um, not because we're obsessed with taking attendance, but we are, we are obsessed with the value and the importance of community. And we want to know when somebody's going fishing. We, we want to know when somebody's walking away because normally 
people who are really healthy spiritually don't do that unless there's a really good reason. And when we see that people are disengaged and we reach out to them, nine out of 10 say, hey, thank you. I needed that. Um, I just needed I just needed a little spiritual reminder. And one out of 10 says, hey, I've been out of town for business. Sorry, I didn't check in. Um, I've been watching online. Uh, But people almost always who desire Jesus are very, very grateful um, when they're starting to drift a little bit, when community reaches out and cares enough to know where they are and how they're doing, which is why shepherding is something that's so important to us at our staff level and our, our leader and coordinator level and our small group level. We, we want to know where people are because we want to know how people are. Um, and and that's, that's what shepherding looks like when people are going fishing. Well, Pastor Christian, let's end on this. You, you'll talk about in your message the recent devastating fire that took place at the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris. As you saw this event unfold in the news and what was happening to this incredibly beautiful building, uh, what were some of your initial thoughts and feelings? Yeah, so probably different than than most people because I'm a little weird um, and because I've had the opportunity to to travel on mission trips and see some of the great, um, you know, great places of worship built to, you know, build in the name of Christianity all over the world. You know, I'm, I'm not going to get deep into the theology of some of the, you know, great um, Catholic facilities built around the world and where the money came from to pay for those through indulgences, you know, pre-Reformation. Um, but here here were my thoughts. First, as a pastor and as a Christian, uh, my first thought on, on Easter week was sadness because um, there was somebody who's not a Christian who was probably planning to walk into that church on Sunday because it was Easter and they weren't a Catholic and they weren't a Protestant and they don't know the difference between a, you know, a Pope, um, and a pastor. They just, they're hurting. They need God. They've been walking by that building. Um, and, and they've been thinking, you know, on, on Easter, I'm going to, I'm going to go in. I need help. I need spiritual help. So I'm going to go there. Um, so, you know, so I, as a, as a pastor who uses a building as a resource, not a temple, but as a, you know, as a resource, uh, and as a, just as a Christian who knows, you know, what it can, what it can mean to have a place where you can go pray again, not, not to Mary, um, but to Jesus. I was just sad. I was sad in my heart for that as a, as a history lover. I mean, I love history. Um, but you know, it was just kind of shocking to your heart to see any building that's, you know, over a thousand years old go up in flames. I mean, we don't have one of those in America. Um, our country's so young and here's this thousand year old, 1500 year old, um, building going up in flames. And it was like, wow, it's from, from a history standpoint and the 13 million visitors a year that visit that when they go to Paris. Um, I mean, if you ask me, hey, if you, if you go to Paris, would you rather somebody visit the Eiffel Tower or a church? I mean, it would all, it would always be, um, a church. Um, um, you know, so the, the historian in me um, was sad, but as a Christian, I, you know, I kind of watched that building burn, and I thought, I'm so glad that that Jesus is not represented by any building anywhere. I mean, part of part of what got the nation of Israel in trouble was they began to worship a building rather than a person. Um, and I mean, it was it's just a building. It it literally has no impact on what God is doing in the world, if it's standing or if it falls. And, you know, just in my, in my theological opinion, because Christians are now the temple of God. Um, and, you know, and, and regardless of how much a building cost, um, the reality is Jesus was never in a building like that, but he's worth way more than a building like that. 
So like there's this odd tension, right? It's like, well, you know, Jesus was a he was a poor carpenter. Sure he was. But the temple, the Old Testament temple um, would have put every cathedral in the world to shame. I mean, when 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 they tried to build a building to represent how much God meant to them, it it was unbelievable. And the heavenly um, there's no temple in heaven, but the the heavenly city. my goodness, if you could place a value, it, it, it would be priceless. So, yeah, G- Jesus never needed a church like that to preach in, but he would be worth that times a million um, if, if we could try to express how, how, how big Jesus was and how much he meant to us. But another thing, as I watched it burn, you know, Scripture says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? We are the temple. And James very specifically says that our entire body can be set on fire by our tongue. Um, and I, I, as I watched that temple burn, I thought that's what a Christian living in sin looks like to the world. It just looks like a, like a, like a waste of a spiritual house. Um, and, and when Christians live in sin, it's just a picture of a, of a crumbling temple to the world, especially when we boast of the Jesus who lives in us. But then we, we live in sin. I mean, if the tongue sets our body on fire, what does some of the other things that we pursue, um, what do they do to us? So as I watched that temple burn, I thought that's, that's what a lot of Christians look like. They're running around the world on fire and the steeple's crumbling. Um, and people were thinking, man, that's just, that's just too bad. That house of God appears to be being destroyed by the fire of sin. Um, those were kind of all my immediate reactions. Um, while I, while I watched it as a, as a pastor, as a Christian, as a, as a history, uh, as a lover of, of history. Um, and it's just a Christian that under, that understands scripture and, and how much my life is supposed to represent the temple of God here on earth. Well, Pastor Christian, thank you so much again for the reminder that Easter is not just a Christian holiday for Christians, but also for those who have fallen spiritually and need to come back and those who have been disqualified spiritually who need to accept the love of Jesus. So thank you, Pastor Christian. And we want to thank you for listening to the podcast. I would I would like to take a, a moment to encourage you to help us get the word out about this incredible re- resource. You can really help us out by rating and reviewing us on iTunes and Google Play. In fact, one recent review said this. They said, I have, I've been listening to the podcast for about a year and it offers great biblical principles and applications about your life. It's like sitting in the living room with Pastor Christian and having a dialogue that dives deeper into the sermon that he preached on Sunday. I appreciate the conversation. Um, the tone and the format as well as the length of the podcast. So reviews like that really help us get the word out about this incredible resource. So thank you. And, and we really do appreciate it. And thank you for listening today and from wherever you are at. And we look forward to catching you next time on the Activate Podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for listening to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. If you are ever in the Kansas City area, we would love for you to join us for one of our Sunday worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please show your support by subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes or Google Play. We would love for you to help us get the word out about this resource. Don't forget to share this episode with all your friends on social media. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.